What's up, everybody? It's Britton here. Thanks for tuning in to the Recap Radio podcast. On this week's episode, I've got Matt Brewer, who is the project scheduler for the Mars Ascent Vehicle at NASA here in Huntsville. It was a pleasure to get to sit down with him. We talked about his upbringing and how he got on at NASA and all the great things that they're doing there. So you're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, today I'm here with Mac Brewer. Mac, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, My pleasure, Britton. Thanks for asking me. So um, just to kind of get it started with, um, where are you initially from and where did you go to college at? So I'm a lifelong Alabamian. I've always lived in the state of Alabama. I probably won't move anywhere else. I don't know. Maybe I'll live in other places, but I've always been here. Uh, I went to school at Jacksonville State. Um, Started there back when I graduated high school after uh, 1994. I went went to school there uh, immediately after and uh, loved going to JSU. Um, So that's... that's where I'm from and, and what I did afterwards, yeah. So, What kind of sparked you to want to just not uh, get your degree? So it was, it was more of a necessity more than a want. Um, and it kind, of, it kind of ended up being a good thing for, for me. It's not uh, you know, necessarily the path that everyone would take or I would recommend. Um, but for me, it was uh, I was in school and then uh, found myself married, and, and it was a necessity for me to go out and find more find employment more than it was for me to finish my education at that time. So um, that ended up being a, a, a good choice for me because I ended up being in uh, uh, retail for 17 years after that. I spent uh, 17 years, 15 of those being in retail management. So it worked out for me. Uh, got me plenty of uh, good job, some, some good job experience, and it's gotten to me where I am now. Uh, as far as finishing my degree, I would have loved to have finished my degree. I loved the the studies that I was I was uh, that I was into at the time, and they have continued to help me even to this day. Um, it just so happens I I didn't finish the curriculum, but I still use plenty of the of the education that I got while I was there. Yeah. So me and my boss were having this conversation the other day, and he was asking me like, "Do you feel getting a degree is necessary?" And I was like, "To be honest with you, probably not. I mean, for a lot of people." It probably isn't worth it, but it's a barrier of entry to get a lot of jobs now. And so, I mean, but you, from the sound of it, you can learn a lot of the simple or just stuff you need through other jobs, not just through education, don't you think? I think you have to take a look at it from both a 10,000 foot view and from 10 feet away as well. So you got to think, what what is the purpose of college? The, there's several purposes. One is to educate you on a field that you think you may want to go in when you're young. Uh, and they do a good job of, of giving you curriculum and, and the education to go into that field. The thing is, is once you get a little older, you find out that maybe there are other things that you want to do. And maybe you narrowed yourself to a, to a smaller to something too small for you at the time, and you grow out of it. And that's the reason why some people um, do like I did. Maybe they don't finish their school is because they, they were too narrow-focused too early. But what education does for you and what employers see from that is the fact that you can complete an initiative. You can do something. You can be educated. You can be taught. If you have a degree that says a lot about you, that you can f- that you can finish something that you start. On the other hand, you have employers, and I was a hiring manager for a long time, is we will look at someone's education and, and if they have the ability to be educated, that's one thing, but can they apply knowledge? 
can do they have other intangibles that something that college can't teach you do they have those types of things what kind of fit are they for what i'm looking to hire for so i would say as far as is it needed or is it not depends on the individual depends on um, what they want to achieve how fast they want to achieve it there's several factors that go into it for me it worked out um, at the right pace for me and for others i think uh you know, college is the way to go for them. So I couldn't steer anybody either way without getting to know them first, right. really. So through your time working at uh, in different retail environments, did you ever have an aspiration to work at NASA? I did. The My aspiration to work at NASA uh, was in me since I was uh, in fourth grade. I uh, Believe it or not, it was the Challenger accident. The Challenger accident happened when I was in fourth grade, and I remember us all sitting around in the lead-up to that. The Challenger mission had a teacher. So in the schools, it was a very big deal because it was going to be the first teacher going into space. So in school, we were learning all about the mission and how a school teacher was going to go on the space shuttle. So the teachers were very much into it. We were watching out in the... A big gathering area, lots of fourth grade students, and and when and then and the Challenger accident happened. So for weeks, all we saw on the news was about NASA and NASA coverage and NASA coverage, and we got a lot of our. Well, I did. I asked a lot of questions about, well, what is NASA? What do they do? And so that's where my interest in NASA started. And then throughout high school, I was always science and math oriented, and um, it, it was just always fascinating. To me about what all NASA could achieve and do it seems like something I would never be a part of it just seemed like a uh, you know one of those things that you would dream about doing and it has worked out to where I've gotten to be um, gotten to participate now so it's worked out great for me so since you've joined NASA um, what kind of jobs have you held so uh, my first job with NASA I was um, I was in what's called the applications office for NASA. So NASA, of course, does missions in space, uh, but to achieve those missions, they need a lot of support in other areas. In areas you may not think, there's accountants that work at NASA. There are uh, computer scientists that work at NASA. There's all sorts of jobs. You name it, NASA needs and has a need for it. Uh, and one of those is, like I mentioned, the applications office. I took computer information systems in college, which is. Uh, to boil it down to be programming. Um, so the applications office that I worked at is the, the office that builds all of the software that NASA may use in everyday business, in mission type work, in finance type work, any of those kind of things. Some of the, uh, the projects I worked on was mobile device management, which was uh, all of the getting all of the apps that NASA use to be able to put on a smartphone. Um, so there had to be a way that you manage those apps because NASA has a lot of um, sensitive information that someone could have on a phone that if it's not encrypted properly, if it's not secured properly behind firewalls, that could be, um, you know, that could be a big problem for NASA. So part of my job there, I was a, uh, a program analyst and I assisted with the software engineers, the building software, making sure they were secure. Um, so mobile device management was one. We also launched uh, Microsoft Teams, several Microsoft products throughout NASA. Um, and launching something that th through the agency means you have to have 
uh, your security in order. You have to have where your international partners can interface with with you without having to give them uh, access to everything. So the applications office is where I started. I worked there for two years, and then the opportunity came to work on uh, the Mars Ascent vehicle. Mars Ascent vehicle. We call it the MAV. Uh, and I took that opportunity. It's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime mission. So yeah. I'm very happy to be a part of that. How did the initial conversation begin at, at NASA to want to go to Mars? So it started way before I was there. But the, Mar, the Mars missions, some people are confused about why we want to go to Mars. And here's why we want to go to Mars. For the same reason that... The explorers wanted to get on the ships and cross the oceans. It's because we need to know what's out there. We need to know, are there opportunities for us to expand out there? And we need to calculate what are the risks of not knowing what's over there? Is there something that, you know, what, is there information there that if we didn't know it, uh, would be detrimental to us? <laughs> so that's what I say that the risk of not knowing is is the biggest incentive of all is, is what are we going to discover and how is it going to help us out in the long run and plus if you don't continue to explore other worlds and other avenues you don't grow and we just you know the whole point if we were not growing we'd still be the way we were in the 1500s so that is why we want to go to mars the specifically the mars ascent vehicle is part of a, a campaign where we uh, will be bringing soil samples back from Mars. Uh, our, our mission will be landing in what's called the Jezero Crater, which is uh, geologists have studied is, a, is an ancient, what they think, an ancient riverbed, which would, if there was ever life on Mars, it would have been in this area. So our mission will go to retrieve soil samples from that area and bring them back to study here on Earth where we have more robust instruments to study them versus, say, on a rover where you have to send all the instrumentation there. We're going to bring it back and use all of the resources here on Earth. So you got the Mars vehicle. How did the conception of the rocket, the MAV rocket, come into play? It's been in works for several years now. There's been several... Um, attempts to start the project. In other words, it was conceptualized, it got a few stages through the process, and then maybe something that budgeting or scheduling would cancel the project. So this is over the last probably say 20 years, this uh, is finally seeing, uh, it's, it's going to come to fruition now. So the it started 20 years ago. People wanted to bring soil samples back but they just, we just didn't know how to do it, how much it was gonna cost, how long it was gonna take, so on and so forth. So as we advanced, um, more budget comes to, to, to offer. We've, we've got several rovers that have been on Mars now, so now is the perfect time to send a, send a rocket to Mars and have that rocket bring back samples back to Earth. It's just now, it's, it's, it's all come together for us now as it turns out. So working on a project like that where you have to kind of time it out like years in advance, how are you able to come up with a timeline and like what kind of process goes into that to say, hey, we're going to send this rocket out and it's going to come back here, you know, two years later. How do you, how do, how do y'all approach that? So there's, there's a couple of, there's a million 
different things you have to consider. Literally nearly a million. But the biggest things you have to consider is first of all, the things that you do not control is Earth's orbit and Mars's orbit. So when are they close enough for us to launch a rocket to get there with minimal power concerns? So that's one concern you have. Um, what, what's the orbit of Earth? What's the orbit of Mars? When are they the closest together? When's the opportune time for us to get in there? What's the route we're gonna take to get there with the least amount of fuel, uh, the least amount of mass required? Those are the requirements you don't control that you have to consider and you have to take the opportunities when they present themselves. So usually those launch windows to Mars take are every every two years you have an opportunity to get there with the least amount of fuel requirements and least amount of of time to get there, obviously. So those are the unknowns. The things we do control is how much what's the resources we have here on Earth, what's the budgets we have here on Earth, what's the 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 what is the state of NASA now? In other words, what res what current missions do we have going on that that this mission may take resources from? There's a lot of things to consider in that. So timing-wise, um, all of NASA's projects, all of NASA's missions, are in this catalog, or um, I guess a better word for it would be this. Uh, well, let's just say a catalog of missions that they want to achieve, and they have to weigh out each one and decide, um, you know, how it's going to affect each other as far as resources and budgeting here on Earth and what what missions do we have that are going now that we can already learn from and take resources and use them simultaneously, or do we have to stop this project to use the resources. There's all kind of considerations like that. All those decisions are made, and then you have to, once the decision is made, you have considerations of how long do we need to design this rocket? How long is it going to take to build a mock-up and test it? Um, what are the requirements? What do we actually want this rocket to do? What is it, um, what, what the requirements, what are the requirements for the avionics? What are the requirements for the propulsion? What are the requirements for the structures that you need uh, to, to, to build this rocket? All of those things had to be taken into consideration um, piece by piece. So someone who works on propulsion may need some decisions to be made by somebody in avionics. And avionics needs that decision to be made by someone in structures who's going to build something for their computers to sit on. All of these things are tied in together. Um, and then you build a schedule from there. And that's kind of what I do for the project is I'm a scheduler. I have to take all of those pieces, uh, working with what we call subsystem managers. You have a manager of propulsion. You have a manager of uh, guidance, navigation, and control of avionics. And they have their particular items they're responsible for. And they have to let me know what the durations of those tasks that they're going to need, uh, when those are going to come due, what... Um, uh, what is the critical path? How long? What is the the what are the set of tasks that are the critical items that if something goes long, it makes the whole project go long? They inform me of all of this stuff. Um, I gather all that information and put it together into a schedule so that project managers can look at this and say, okay, we know how long now it's going to take to design and build a rocket. Does this fit in our mission timeline? And they can make decisions based on that. So you're here in Huntsville. Is the whole 
design team for the MAV rocket in Huntsville or is it they spread across the country or world? Pretty much everyone who is designing the MAV, the Mars Ascent vehicle, is here at Marshall. We do have some people who are remote uh, that can work remote, but for the most part, all the all of the team is here at Marshall. We are part of a larger mission. MAV is one part of this mission, but there are several parts to it. Um, in other words, we, we need a ride to get to, Mar to Mars. Our rocket has to ride on another rocket, so that's one part of the mission, um, which will be contracted out. And then once we're there, we have to retrieve the samples, and that's done by another mission that's being, um, that's actually being developed by the European Space Agency. Uh, so they will have, um, well, without giving too much away, they will have vehicles that will retrieve the samples. They'll bring them back to our MAV rocket, the Mars Ascent vehicle, load them, and we will, our MAV, which has been built here at Marshall, will launch those samples into space, which will rendezvous with a European Space Agency uh, satellite that's around Mars, and then that will be responsible for getting it back. So, for as far as your question goes, the MAV, the rocket itself, the one that will be the transport vehicle for these samples, everyone is here. It's the all the other pieces that's part of the larger campaign where we're spread out. JPL out in Pasadena, California, uh, Washington DC, NASA headquarters, uh, several several other places, European Space Agency, there's, there's a lot of, it's, it's, a, it's a, definitely an international um, mission for sure. So how does communication work? So if I would imagine the the vehicle that's before y'all, if it gets put on pause, does that put your process on pause or y'all still designing and then y'all are just waiting at that point? It wouldn't necessarily put us on pause, but it would it would uh, it would definitely affect us. So we were we're still going to be designing and developing the rocket if they have troubles and have to, let's say if they cancel part of their mission, well, we're dependent on that obviously. So that's gonna be of great concern to us. So someone would have to make the decision, do we continue with the design and development work if we know we're not gonna go, obviously. But usually what would happen is there are contingency plans that are set up for, if this part can't go, what's, what's plan B? So that goes through a whole set of other steps and processes uh, to ensure that we can to have mission success. So how has COVID been kind of out of the 2020 year, how has COVID affected um, y'all's work? So we were fortunate in the development of the MAV that we were we are in the early stages of development. What I mean by that is we're still, we have just completed the requirements phase of gathering what all is required of the rocket and, and going through solidifying what we all, what we want the rocket to do. So in other words, we haven't turned a bolt on anything yet. We haven't bent any metal as far as building a rocket yet. It's still in very much a, a design phase. So we were, we were able to continue work from home um, because most of our work, like I said, we're not, we're not using wrenches to tighten bolts here. We're still in designing. So communication um, through the team still had to occur, but we had to do that through remote means, um, much like everybody else had to do. But we were fortunate that we were in the stage that we were, that we continue doing work that we had been doing on a face-to-face -face, uh, basis. Um, we could still do that remotely. Now, had we been in a part where we're bending metal 
and were forming pieces of the rocket that I'm sure would have had a much larger impact on our timeline, for sure. So going back to kind of what you said about uh, the project you're working on and y'all are wanting to bring samples back, the article you sent said that y'all are planning to bring those back in 2033. So how are y'all able to kind of calculate these timelines and when did this conversation kind of begin that y'all were able to put the article out and say that? So those, uh, well, first of all, in the article being released, that is a, that's done through um, there's a public relations in, of NASA who kind of gathers information from the projects from time to time to kind of to see where we are on those and the, and as of the last review gate, uh, we, we have gate reviews where certain milestones are hit throughout a project. Uh, we release uh, kind of a press release to NASA as a whole and decision makers on what was what was done and what's the current timelines and that's so that's released. To the public at that point, uh, the way we have kind of figured out, you know, working backwards from 2033 is, is, uh, you know, how long it takes us to design and build this rocket, and it goes back to where I was talking about all of those subsystem managers and all those subsystems getting together, getting their schedules together, and so we know when we can build it, when we can test it, um, how many spare parts do we need to build, what machines do we have to make to build a rocket um, so all those things are taken in consideration then we then we come up with a completion time that has to match when the two planets are closest together and that time happens to be uh, in 2028 so if we know that we can get the rocket designed built and tested and be able to launch by 2028 we know that it's going to take a, a, roughly two years from the time of launch until the time it gets to Mars. Uh, then it will have to sit on surface and wait for the next period for its opportune time to launch back to Earth. Um, and I'm not exactly sure on the launch date from Mars, but I do know that the result of that launch will be the soil samples crash landing in the Mojave Desert somewhere around 2033. So to answer your question, is you work forwards and backwards on it. You know when you want to, to get them back and what all has to take place in order for that to happen. But you also know the work that has to happen, and this is the date that it can't happen any sooner than. So you take all those things into consideration, and that gives you the, the timeline of, of what your mission's going to be. That is a very, very boiled-down yeah. version of the story, but that's kind of what happens. So since you've been at NASA, how would you rate your experience there being able to work on projects that you've been able to work on people ask me is it cool working at nasa and the, the answer is always yes it's it's cool it's fun stuff it's not everybody gets to do it it's it's what i always wanted to maybe it's not for everybody maybe it's not everybody's into science and math like i was as a kid but for me it's it's very cool uh considering i get to work with the best engineers in the world uh, I've, I have gotten to work with some of the best computer scientists in the world when I was over at the applications department. So yes, it's it's my experience working at NASA for me is a you know a dream come true. I'm, I'm doing what I love to do, um, and it says something about NASA too. Is I could have come to NASA after having all these dreams of working there for so long, and got here and just been like devastated because it's 
terrible place to work, but it's not. And it says something about NASA as an agency. NASA as an agency, year after year, as far as federal agency goes, is always the, the highest ranked agency to work for year after year after year after year and it's because of the way they do things um some of it's the cool factor but a lot of it is just the way that nasa takes care of its employees and the contractors who work for them and it's 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 a family federal agency <laughs> job <laughs> if that makes any sense at all you know they're not to speak bad about any other federal agencies out there but um you know i i all I can speak for is NASA, and I know how well uh, and, the, and the caliber of people that work there uh, just made it a great experience for me. So to anybody who's in school right now who's wanting to work for NASA or wanting to do a job like you, what kind of advice would you give for them? My advice for anybody who wants to work at NASA is, is my advice for anybody who wants to do anything in life is don't wait your turn. So you and I had this conversation before we started the podcast. And what I mean by that is if you're in a, if you're in a position and you want to advance and you want to do something greater than what you're doing now, don't wait until you think it's time. And don't wait until you think it's your turn. Do it. Just go ahead and do it. You don't know what the result is going to be unless you do. So if I were in... I'll go back to my retail experience. If I was in a retail job and I thought I was ready for a promotion to a manager, but I thought Joe was more qualified than me, then my tendency may to be, I'm just going to wait. Joe's going to get that next job. I might as well not even apply. Joe's going to get that job and I'll wait. I'll wait my turn. That's never how I approach things. And in my years of retail management, that's how I, when I was training people to become managers, the way I taught them to be is don't wait your turn. Go after what you want because you don't know the circumstances. You don't know what the result of that is going to be. Maybe Joe or whoever it was that's, that's ahead of me is more qualified in certain things, but they need someone who fits the people or they need something that fits the processes better. And if you didn't apply, you're not going to get it. You will never get a job you don't apply for. So uh, for me, my philosophy is don't wait your turn. And that's what I would tell anybody. So if you could go back and give yourself any advice, a young Mac, what would you what would you say to him? Uh, I would tell him, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Things are going to come. Things will, things will develop uh, for the best. Don't be too hard on yourself. Um, you know, it sounds sounds uh from what i just said to what i'm about to say is be patient i was very impatient back then but it's because i had that drive to not wait my turn i would probably go back and tell myself don't wait your turn but don't be too hard on yourself when things are not going as fast as you want them to go so don't wait your turn but be patient (laughs) So if uh, people want to kind of keep up with the work your your group's doing or just NASA in general, what what kind of where where could they go and find this information at? NASA has a lot of uh, a lot of resources out there. NASA.gov is a, is a place to start. Uh, the NASA app uh, you can download that on your smartphone and you can get insight to any missions that we have. My mission specifically um, is the MAV mission. This is the Mars Ascent vehicle in which is being headed up here by Marshall Space Flight Center. Um, You can look it up. You can Google MAV and find plenty of articles on that, but NASA.gov, you can find 
uh, information on the MAV, which is part of a greater mission called the Mars Sample Return. If you want to look up the Mars Sample Return, there's plenty of information on that. Um, and like I said, that's uh, even the European Space Agency, them being involved, they're going to have some information on that as well. There's plenty of things to look for. Uh, if you search for Mars Ascent Vehicle or Mars Sample Return, you're going to get some information on uh, the program that we're in here. Well, Mac, thank you so much for coming on and taking time out of your day to speak with me, and uh, best of luck on your mission. It was my honor. Thanks. Well, that's it for today's episode. I had such a great time sitting down with Mac, discussing his upbringing and his current job at NASA and all the great things they're doing. If you want to stay in touch with them, be sure to follow them on Instagram or any social media platform or download the app or view their website to keep up to date with all the projects they have going on. And be sure to stay tuned on the Recap Radio podcast. Follow us on Instagram for our upcoming episodes.